eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, everyone. Big news from the boys of the last podcast on the left. Check out the last comic book on the left, our most sinister comic anthology. It now has a volume two. Please pre-order now at Z2Comics.com. We have an even bigger stable of artists and talent and writers and everyone that we did for the first one, although the first one is fucking amazing and it's still available on Z2Comics.com. But we're asking you to go pre-order number two, Z2Comics. Scott.com. You're going to like the way you read. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? We see the greys down in Africa. Whoa, this is awesome. Seeing those greys down in Africa. Africa. I love Toto's new remix. That's uh, it's a lonely one. It really is. <laughs> Welcome to last podcast of the left, everyone. I am Ben, hanging out with Marcus and hanging out with Henry. By the way, we'll be in Australia in January, where Toto is a real band, and they have more than one song. <laughs> I know, and they listen to it unironically, and they're like, "Have you heard Toto's going back on tour?" And you're like, "Wow, I can't believe that they're not all dead." It's true. There is a Toto extended universe in Australia. It's very bizarre. Can't wait. <laughs> to see you all there in australia well speaking of seeing things today's episode look to the skies thank you thank you i'm glad he said it <laughs> the aerial school phenomenon we're gonna get into it very good the extraterrestrial encounter at aerial school is one of the most credible examples of high strangeness concerning not just ufos but the alien phenomenon at large. Now, I have been obsessed with this story for a long time. Wait, what? This is one Mm -hmm. of those UFO group sightings, because we've covered a couple of these before, right? The Hudson Valley Triangles. We haven't really covered the Phoenix Lights, but I've done a lot of research into the Phoenix Lights. And the Coronado Group abduction. Do you remember Definitely. that? Yeah, yeah at the uh, come hotel. Come and see my penis. See what they did to my penis. <laughs> remember right? that guy? Of course, the ladybugs. <laughs> yes. You got him. But this story is... I. This sends a chill up my spine. And yeah. I don't know if it's just because... Like, because you say credible, I, I, and it is, because there's so many, there's up to 60 witness accounts corroborating what happened on this day. But there's also just something 
creepy about kids being serious. Yeah, I don't <laughs> and, like it. This, and it's endless footage of it. So if you're one of those people that mm -hmm. like gets really creeped out in a movie when you see a child going, Hockey, daddy. I don't like it whatsoever. <laughs> Twins, get out of here. What was that one movie with Nicole Kidman? Uh, the Eyes others? wide shut. The others. Oh, okay. The others. What was that line? What was it like? I'm the daddy now. What was it? I'm the daddy now, daddy. What was it? Eyes wide shut, by the way. The longest film shoot in history over 400 days for that big old orgy scene. Wow. <laughs> that is true. Is that true? That orgy scene took 400 days to I, shoot. I swear to God, it's the longest, it's the longest consecutive movie ever shot. Stanley, and that's why Stanley Kubrick died like a day after it was done. He's He worked very hard on it. And then he, they put all those people in front of all the fucking. I don't know why. All right. On September 16th, 1994, at least 60 school children between the ages of 6 and 12 reported that a UFO landed just outside of their school near the Zimbabwean capital of Harare during recess. Then two aliens allegedly disembarked and communicated with the children. Mm -mm, bye. Nike. Whoa, these guys are really freaking cool. It a little bit sounds like the beginning of Black Panther. Uh, this is uh, this is really fucking frightening. This whole yeah. thing is really, really frightening. I had nightmares last night. You did. Now, while no adults witnessed the event, the accounts given by children afterward were fairly similar but inconsistent. Mm. However, this is exactly what we want to hear. Yes. Why? See, if these children had collaborated on a story either before or after the alleged event, then their accounts would be virtually identical. Oh, identical. Intriguing indeed. Identical. identical. But since eyewitness testimony is the least reliable of evidences, the inconsistencies in the children's stories actually makes it more likely that they weren't making it up. Because that means they're all remembering the event from their own points of view. Hmm. In other words... More or less the same is actually better than exactly the same. According to John Mack, who was a Harvard, he was the head of the, the uh, I believe, the psychology department at Harvard. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to get into him, definitely. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he Mr. ruined his whole career uh, getting involved in this case. And what he says, too, because he says that is what's really interesting and most uh, that is the most compelling part of this entire tale is seeing in stereo an event happen because he's like when you hear all the multiple different points of view coming from kids of all different ages they kind of puts together an entire picture where you see mm. the the same story happen but from 60 different perspectives isn't that interesting you can always trust a harvard professor especially one that's obviously stressed for money you can almost <laughs> see him calling jeffrey epstein and just no, being like i'll give you three no, more kids we actually no. got a bunch in zimbabwe no 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 no, no, no. this is before no. no this caused him to leave harvard okay <laughs> and actually harvard hated him harvard yeah. actually tried to take him down so he was kind of the odd man out at Harvard. So he's not taking any money. All right. Okay, he's not no. he's distinctly, he dis distinctly died in poverty. Okay. Yeah. I have been yeah, yeah, put yeah, no. in a different place than no. I was. Yes. He's not ordering cheese pizza, Ben. Just so oh you know. My oh, God. God. oh my God. Which is why I always got the nude buffalo wings. Because <laughs> those are for adults. <laughs> we'll have a little fun with it. Get some peppers on there anyway. Well, to the point of being believed. 
Most of the teachers at the aerial school thought that the children were telling the truth when they said a UFO landed and aliens talked to them. And that includes some of the teachers who very much didn't want the children to be telling the truth. There was one woman who said she lived at the school and she really did not want it to be true, but she couldn't help it. it she was, couldn't help but believe them. In a Wait. recent documentary called The Aerial Phenomenon, which was truly blew my fucking mind. It's great. It, it was good. But they do a meeting amongst the teachers talking about the parents' perspective. And they were like, you got to wonder which way they, the parents are going to go, which way right. they're going to flip and how we handle it. Because we're not trying to create a divide between the school and the parents. We don't know how they all feel about this group sighting. Could mess with their religion. Because distinctly, there was very few adults that saw or heard any of the event. It was all the kids. And it was yeah. just weird when the aliens landed, they offered the kids candy. And it was like, never get into a UFO. No, they warmed about the environment. Is that right? <laughs> so I have a question. Did the woman just live in the school and then they made her a teacher? <laughs> or did she was a teacher and then she's decided to live in the school? Have you heard? I did not know, but I actually just read this. I think Betsy DeVos put that in there. There is a squatter's <laughs> rights provision I didn't amongst the Department of oh, Education. Okay, yeah. interesting. Well, as one journalist put it, if the children were all lying about what they saw, then one of them would have cracked and they would have cracked fast. Because yeah. it's not like all these kids were getting positive attention for this. No. Because that's one of the things that people talk about with the satanic panic is that that's how, you know, these children came to make these wild allegations about being flushed down toilets and right. so on and so forth is because they kept getting positive validation every single time that they told the story. Like they would be, you know, they would tell the story. They get pulled get take, out of class. They get pulled out of class. They'd get right. taken out for ice cream afterwards. They'd get gifts, positive validation over and over again. This was not the case. It It'll, was quite the opposite for some of these kids. And it also but, corresponded exactly with the cover of the Ghoulies. <laughs> but I read, uh, we read the book uh, UFOs Over Africa by Cynthia Hine and that documentary, The Aerial Phenomena, and it really shows the, 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 the book really shows what it was like to have boots on the ground during the time, at like days after the event. And the documentary shows these kids who are haunted by it. So they did oh, not yeah. have a great 20 time. years later, 25 years later, they they're all like like that's the part of it that really mm. freaked me out was them it was one following this one girl that she was the first time going back to her school, to the aerial school in 25 years, because it was the 25 and 25 year anniversary of the school. And they yeah. said they invited oh. her to come back and she's crying, thinking about like, I don't want to go relive this whole thing again. Well, don't go back. You don't got to go to these it's reunions. Documentary. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that none of these kids ever went back on their story as much as some of them very badly wanted to forget all about it. The event, as Henry said, still very difficult for these people to talk about. Hmm. One witness in that documentary, she said that she hadn't ever even told her husband about what happened to her at aerial school. Well, you're going to want to mention that on the first or second date. It's kind of cool. Well, this is interesting because they have a lot of this perspective, which I feel is now more outdated thanks to what has come about in the last several years, that talking about this in polite society would distance you from them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... That's what a lot of the people said. You know, they said that they never talked about it because people would look at them like they were crazy if they ever did bring it up. So they just sort of pushed it down as hard as they possibly could. Yeah, just jam it, jam it down, jam it. Because then what it does is it turns little comedy eggs. That's yeah. what emotions do. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that kind of suffering. Yeah, and that's why sometimes I'll just have like have a panic attack in the refrigerator. <laughs> I don't wonder what is that. 
Yeah. But that's one thing. Henry, you're looking at the sausages. You've been looking for five minutes. Yeah, I'm thinking about a lot of different things. Yeah. It's kind of funny how no one ever asked how the sausage is made. Everyone was asked how the sausage is made, but no one ever asked, why is the sausage made? <laughs> well, the Sawyer family's got to stay in business and Leatherface needs a job. Now, as far as outside verification goes, Henry already mentioned this guy. The children were interviewed and studied after the fact by a Harvard professor of psychology named Dr. John Mack, who was at the time studying the concept of alien abductions from a psychological standpoint. And while Dr. Mack traveled to Zimbabwe with as much skepticism as he could pack, he came away from those interviews absolutely convinced that these children had not only seen a UFO, but had interacted with extraterrestrial intelligences. They saw something, and it was not identified. I know what I saw. I know what I saw. But they're children, so I know what I saw. And Well, the kids weren't as adamant about it. Kids are just more naturally open. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, the aerial school was located in the town of Ruwa, right outside the capital city of Harare in Zimbabwe. And while the surroundings were not particularly wealthy, the aerial school itself was an expensive private institution attended by the children of affluent families. Or as uh, the head of MUFON Africa, Cynthia Hind, who is the, I would say, the Mrs. Doubtfire of oh, ufology. Uh, she's also very similar to uh, with Dame Edna. Dame oh, Edna. I loved she it. does look she has that look. She said, Oh, would you believe? Oh, the school certainly wasn't inexpensive. <laughs> <laughs> Not inexpensive at all. Julia Childs, a CIA asset. Yep. And of course, if you do make money on OnlyFans, you're ass fluent. <laughs> this is this is great. Really great stuff. I'm glad you say that. I'm glad you didn't tweet it. I'm glad I don't save it here, man. Yeah, right I here. Share it, I just share it with the people who I know are gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> Small at around 250 students, the aerial school had a student body comprised of an array of multicultural backgrounds, including students from the UK, Europe, Asia, America, Australia, and Zimbabwe itself. As such, the kids tended to interpret the encounter in line with their cultural background, with some children attaching the aliens to native folklore, while others used pop culture as their touchstone. In other words, their brains did the best they could to process the high strangeness that happened in front of them. From what I could understand, mm. what it was said in that documentary is that running water was a luxury at the time, and so was electricity. So they didn't actually have a heck of a lot of connection mm -hmm. to the pop culture world. I mean, like they, they did have some things, yeah. but the not American a heck kids, of a lot. The, the English yeah. kids, they did, yeah. They did. But if you count what Cynthia Hines says about this idea of, and what John Mack actually posited too, because he said that your surroundings and the way you grew up and creates sort of like a psychic net. It's a psychic world. It's like it's your whole series of connections. And uh, Cynthia Hines said the people that were kind of more like the, the, the lived in the country, mm -hmm. they had a more in, a personal relationship with the spiritual. Right. Yeah. They they viewed these things as not very surprising. And they they regularly spoke with the ghosts of the their ancestors and spirits and local deities. Mm. Uh, it was just kind of a part of the fabric of life. And one thing they always talk about is like they did see a lot of like orb activity was like big. Right. People saw a lot of big orange lights. A lot in of Africa. orbs. I, I do have to point out, Marcus, diminished your orb story on open lines <laughs> on Sirius Radio. You weren't there to I defend didn't... yourself. 
I he didn't diminish it because he didn't. wasn't there, and that's the thing about all you fuck, all you fuckers. You don't understand. You have to climb into the head of the witness and think about the witness. I know because I did say because Henry because Marcus said Henry never sees anything. I said, well, he saw an orb, but then Marcus said, oh, he saw an orb. I did, well, sort of, but even I say that. I, I know what well, that's. I only said that because I know what you want to see, Henry. Yes, of and I know that an orb is good enough for you. No, I want to see an. I literally want to see a craft land on my front yard. I want a big titted alien to come, come out of. I want to be like you're going to be on that Saturday Night Live. Like that's, that's like right. what I want to happen. It's not going to happen. You know what that alien's yeah. going to say? What? I got nipples. Can you milk me? <laughs> uh, um, and guess what, Kissel? But uh, a lot of them don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way that a lot of the locals that they interviewed in that documentary in that documentary about the aerial phenomenon, the way the locals talked about UFOs was like it's a it's like something that is still cool and surprising, but something they see every day. They like go like, oh yeah, yeah, aliens. Oh, yeah. Like the same way, like in New York or L.A., like you describe like seeing a land, a huge landmark every day. Like you just hear you're like, oh yeah, I, I can see the Empire State Building from my office. Yeah, it's it's great, but it's it's cool, but it's it's, it's still there. very it's normal. Just a they speak a lot of it as spirits but they equate them to ghosts and which uh, you know speaks to my like pan paranormal thesis which oh. the idea that they they're actually not all very different <laughs> vindication God, well, you, no, you just vindicated yourself i fight I you win. just said that you were right <laughs> okay well, most of the kids who witnessed these creatures had no knowledge of the alien phenomenon before the sighting, or at least that's what their parents said. In fact, many of these kids, Ben, as you uh, speculated, they were the children of Christian missionaries who believed that aliens did not and could not exist because they weren't mentioned in the Bible. Also, that they are specifically dog whistles of Satan and that they're yes. supposed to be there to bring you closer into the science based world. Now, I actually watched the History Channel quite a bit, and there is a theory that aliens are indeed angels. <laughs> You're becoming so that, my mother. So this that, is what you and my mother have just touched him. You're about to write A Course in Miracles Part Two. No, you know what I'm going to write? What? Angels in the infield. Because I am on fire today, by the way. I don't think I'm getting enough credit. Yeah, the audience is laughing. Let me get a fire extinguisher Please. then uh, for the Angels rest of us. Angels in the infield. <laughs> I also want one of our metal bands out there to write an album called Dog Whistles of Satan. Yes, that nice. <laughs> You can't hear them. It's, it's silent, but trust me, the sound is there. It's working. Well, this belief that aliens can't exist was, of course, highly detrimental to some of the children. One child, a 12-year-old Canadian from a highly religious family, had to leave the school and then the country itself because he was so disturbed by what happened. And it was made even worse because his family refused to let him even talk about it. Yeah. Hmm. For most of these kids, the only possible source of information about UFOs came just two days prior, when UFO sightings across southern Africa lit up the skies. Now in this, we've got meat for both the skeptics and for the believers. I'll tell you what, I received so many phone calls mm. within three-day period. I received more phone calls in the time I fell down the flight of stairs. <laughs> yeah. My dress was ripped off by the banister Is that in front right? of the entire collection of the Souls Union of South Africa. Well, and they that. all saw my breasts flop in sweat and <laughs> yeah. they saw the bruises form on my velvet. Oh my <laughs> Just goodness. in front of them and then all the 
colds, the colds. Yeah, your vulva. But I did, and every single sighting of my vulva, I did write down and get yeah. accurate measurements for. Oh, that's fantastic. Being a member of MUFA. Kind of looks like a UFO, doesn't it? Well, the skeptics might say that these children were all keyed up on aliens because they'd heard their parents talk about these alleged sightings for two full days. And after the kids saw something out of the ordinary on the day in question, they got caught up in a mass hysteria and interpreted that out-of-the-ordinary event as aliens. And I weirdly came across a medical journal uh, written by Kokoda de Mobley uh, that talks about uh, mass hysteria as a kind of, there's like a wave of mass hysteria episodes in African schools uh, in the mid 90s, which I thought was really interesting. Like one was a, a fainting epidemic hmm. where uh, something like it was 50 students out of a population of 765 at a, uh, at a day school. Kids just started fainting and it's like weird thing, but they couldn't find anything medically wrong with them. There was an itch spell that happened where a group of people and teachers got involved in this gigantic like weird itchy scenario like where people thought an or... area was making them itchy no there was like no physical signs their skin just got itchy so it was weird carbon yeah. monoxide maybe i remember oprah had quite a scandal what? with carbon monoxide or no. spreading it uh no with her school that she opened up yeah, I bet. Yeah, no, don't trust the television person to open a school to do anything. <laughs> yeah. But the believers will tell you that alien counters are often preceded by UFO flaps, small and large. Hmm. Yeah, wink. And it is precisely because people saw strange things in the sky in the nights leading up to the encounter that we should be more open to believing the children. Oh, okay. yeah. But concerning those sightings, multiple people across Zimbabwe, South Africa, Botswana, Mozambique, and Zambia all reported seeing strange objects in the sky in the two nights leading up to the incident at Ariel School. Now, at first, these sightings were dismissed as a meteor shower. And I knew that was impossible because the meteor also just taken a bath. Oh, isn't that something? <laughs> as opposed to a meteor shower. That's a great joke, Ben. That's a really great joke there, Kissel. Real funny stuff. <laughs> then it was said that what people had seen was probably the nose cone of a Russian satellite that had fallen out of orbit after being launched a month prior and had crashed as flaming wreckage in both Zimbabwe and Mozambique. But according to African MUFON director Cynthia Hind, the Russian nose cone was not the explanation for the sightings before the aerial incident, but the cause. It was but the seed. Whoa. It was but the shaft of it. Okay. <laughs> also, the Russian nose cone, that's what happens when you're doing analingus and you have your nose in the vagina. Oh, wait a second. There's some kind of urban dictionary next to me? <laughs> the Russian nose cone. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why we're trying to get into it so fast. Come and take me to dinner first. <laughs> I'm not doing that to you. <laughs> You're doing this to me today. No, that's gross. Well, Cynthia said she was convinced that UFOs, whatever they may be, they're curious about unusual aerial events such as satellite crashes, in addition to nuclear and missile tests. I once followed a raccoon. <laughs> for two miles, wondering how he ate, he was so chubby and spherical. Correct. Yeah, and I swallowed him. And next thing I know, he had found an entire unlocked dumpster in the back of the oh. Caesar's pizza. Oh. <laughs> and next thing I know, it looks like I've got my vacation home. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to live in the dumpster, huh? Delivering the pizza straight to me. I don't even have to call. <laughs> That's fantastic. And to be fair to the skeptic side, satellite crashes and aerial mishaps do often coincide with UFO sightings. However, 
What you also often get around these mishaps are witnesses reporting sightings that look absolutely nothing like satellites or swamp gases or anything else that's supposed to act as the quote-unquote rational explanation. Yeah, hmm. fucker, yeah. Now throw the quotation marks in there, bro. Wow. Fuck yeah. Fucking Dang, irrational, bro. You coming at me with fucking <laughs> rational? Oh, you're my fucking doctor saying, oh, I need to get a fucking colonoscopy, bro? Whatever. Well, that's reasonable anyway. For example, witnesses near Lake Kariba in Zambia and Zimbabwe said that a couple of nights before the aerial school incident, they saw what appeared to be a Boeing 747 traveling low in the sky, engulfed in flames, <gasps> and spitting sparks. And no one's calling about this? I yeah. mean, I would make a phone call or two. They tried. But oddly... The craft was totally silent, and those witnesses were only a handful among the 80 or so people who saw odd shit in the sky during those two days. There was a lot of activity, and we don't yeah. really know why, but it is strange because Cynthia Hine did research, and there was no meteor shower on the books, hmm. right? There was nothing, no activity recorded, and they had no clue what the hell that thing was. And they right. also were saying, like, as we'll get later on, like, aerial phenomena has telltale signs, right? Like a meteor shower, it's a blink. Like if you've seen a shooting star, it's really fast. It's it doesn't very cool to see. It doesn't hover, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't change no, direction. It just, says, it just says the more you know on top of it. Always. <laughs> and it goes in an arc, you know? It doesn't it go straight arc. down, yeah. Right. Is it possible that the weather report was cloudy with a chance of meatballs? <laughs> I hate you. I hate that. I hate that. Oh, man. Oh, just always just two steps forward, five steps back, man. <laughs> you know? From your grave. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> the only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats and oh they love their life and they love them they love what bark box brings because bark box brings the bark and puts it in a box yep to get your free upgrade go to barkbox.com slash l-e-f-t this podcast is brought to you by squarespace finding work-life balance can be tough but squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Every day. I fight to set my child up for success, which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken, but there are kids out there that need. This type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Now, when it comes to the aerial school incident specifically, the event occurred at 10.15 a.m. when 60 or so children between the ages of 6 and 12 were outside during recess. The reason why recess was so early that day was because inconveniently for witness purposes, the school's 13 adult staff members were having a meeting. Therefore, only one adult was in the schoolyard that day, a parent volunteer named Allison Kirkman. Listen, they were trying to figure out how to fix the moon landing. I know okay. what they were up to. <laughs> They're also, trying to get back. They're trying to figure it out. This, you know, there's a lot of scores settled on that playground that day. Oh, now, yeah, one teacher there, yeah. just a parent teacher that's supposed to watch over. They don't know the feuds. They don't know the beefs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like Washington Heights on 9-11, man. All kinds of shit's going oh. on. Everybody's getting shipped. That's when all the members of MS-13 are actually 13. <laughs> <laughs> But Allison Kirkman, the only adult out there, she was running the snack bar. 
And even after a student ran to tell her, come look, there's a fucking alien out there, she refused to leave her post because she was afraid that someone was going to rob the till. One of you. <laughs> oh, sicky toy, all your lies. All right, you come and tell me. I know what happened last time. You said, hey, go look, there's a Bigfoot out there. He's asking for you by name. Yeah. I get out there, it's just a tall bush. I come back, lollipop's gone. All the lollipops are gone. I like the strategy, to be honest. But it is, it is funny because she's in, in UFOs over Africa. She is hardcore. She's really just saying, like, I will never leave this stand. I don't care what these kids have. Have to say, I don't care if there's a group beating happening. <laughs> I mean, she's there to protect all of the the candy. candy. Well, it's very it's <laughs> but vital. not the children. Well, the children love the candy. The rules are in place for a reason. Exactly, Ben. You're the right. children love the candy. <laughs> the, I guarantee you, the reason why she didn't fucking leave her post is because someone had said, "Hey, there's there's a zebra over there," and then she <laughs> runs over and there's and she comes back and all the fucking tootsie rolls. Ah, damn, Every can't single one. Again. I can't. I, like, I can't stop five of them. <laughs> If it's five and one go, they're moving four different directions. <laughs> now, the children said that they were gathered around some brush and overgrown grass near the playing field when they saw something flying near the tops of the trees. One kid said that the aircraft looked natural and that it was shaped like a rock, it reflected light, and it had water dripping from it. Others, however, said that the UFO was definitely disc-like and had a ring of lights either at the top or the bottom of the craft. But in a phenomenon that would apply also to the aliens themselves, one child said that the craft appeared and disappeared multiple times before it finally landed, as if it was shifting in and out of reality. It was a slow build, too, because as you listen to these kids talk, they kind of set up a scenario where it started as lights, where they, they kind of saw some lights drift in to view. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them just said, yeah, it looked like, you know, uh, one said it looked like a metallic shimmer. One said that they just saw maroon, right? Hmm. They just saw a patch of maroon in the sky, but it slowly coalesced into a shape. And then more people started seeing the shape as well. And then okay. different shapes. But it's weird how it's just like, it's like it became solid yeah. as they were watching it. Well, yeah. perhaps it was getting aroused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you're, so again, now he's yeah, he's actually just accusing a craft as a, to be a pedophile. Like he's just, he's just saying a that's how far object it's as a pedophile. That's how, yeah. how, that's how far it's gone. gone. Yes, a high a high strangeness object, you know, some otherworldly dimensional thing. Craft thing? Oh. Uh, it's the, probably a pedophile. You got me. You got me. Uh, it's uh, probably a pedophile. Arguments, folks. Tactical death. <laughs> Flight of the Navigator. Did that not court a very young, young man? I don't know. I don't know. Your stepson's going to hear a lot about this. <laughs> well, another kid said that the ship disappeared and reappeared three times. And he and the others said that the larger craft was also surrounded by three or four smaller objects. But since the UFO was shining with such an intense bright light, it was hard to get a look at the satellite craft. Hmm. Once it got closer to the ground, there came the noise. The kid said that it buzzed loudly with a high-pitched frequency, a sound that one girl described as, quote, machine bees, yeah. which got bigger and louder as it got closer. Once the craft landed, the buzz was replaced by a quiet whirring noise. <laughs> no, no, quiet whirring. God, that's aggravating. Fun noises with the boys. <laughs> that's not fun noises. That was, it was fun. the dryer's done. I hate doing laundry. 
but the bright light that accompanied the flight did not stop. From what the kids said, though, time seemed to become distorted, and they sat there for a few terrifying minutes waiting for something to happen. But as far as what the kids were feeling went, many, but not all, said that they felt excited, scared, and happy all at the same time. This is why it's so difficult to be a parent. Your kid feels excited, scared, and what was the other one? Happy. All at once. I don't know. That's how I <laughs> what felt. Do you do? That's what how do I you felt do? right before I ate like half of a bone marrow pie. I knew you were going to mention your bone marrow pie. <laughs> I, you're not allowed to eat it anymore. I, my chest Democracy, hurts. triangle of trust. Marcus, is he allowed to eat bone marrow pie anymore? Uh, anymore? Uh, I reach back. Oh, hold I got, one, I got like, I want to say truly, I got two more left in me. <laughs> two more? Before the doctor cuts me oh off. Oh my like, God. Well, I mean, I mean, excited, scared, and happy. That's a roller coaster. You know, it those is. are the sorts yes. of things. Like when you're going tick, 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 tick. Like, you know, you're happy. You're there. You're excited. You don't. Because that's what the little girl described it as. The one who mm. said scared, happy, and excited. She said that she didn't know what was going to happen next, but she wanted to know what was going to happen next. She also had the idea in her head to say, like, I also knew I was seeing something that nobody's ever seen before. That's cool. Like she said this, this kind of like an understanding of like, oh, this is fucking weird. Right. Yeah. This is wee wee weird. This is weird. weird. But when the next noise came, some of the kids reacted immediately in terror. It's not the noise you would expect. Okay. They said that the whirring noise was replaced with something that sounded like a flute. But the huh? flute noise actually drew the children closer to the craft. Can we get a little bit of a flute noise so we can have something to compare it to? We should actually put in some some sample of Jethro Tull. <laughs> Jethro Tull, they beat Metallica, best metal album of the year. We'll always be mad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, multiple creatures, either two or three, depending on what child you asked, departed from the craft. Again, the descriptions of the creatures varied from child to child, although all the descriptions were within reasonable parameters of comparison. I mean, this Hmm. is where it gets fucking crazy because they all came out looking like fucking Kanye 2022. It's all the all all black, you like big boots. Interesting. I mean, this is why the jury system is innately flawed. Yes. But that's well, okay. memory in memory in and of itself is right. technically an absolute way to look at reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is all about memory, you know, and this is about trying to put together a full story from many different eyewitness accounts because it's mm-hmm. that's what you say: reasonable parameters of comparison. One kid said that he saw a little three-foot-tall man dressed in a black, shiny suit, sporting long black hair. Hey, kids. Hey. Hey, what's going on? In from out of town. Hey. I know. No autographs, okay? I'm just trying to get milk, right? Mr. Big. You play with those jacks? Yeah. (laughs) Record contract. Sweet. The eyes, which were much lower on the cheek than ours, were large and elongated. Classic alien gray eyes. Down the place, down in Africa. (laughs) However, the eyes were described by one child as having a rough texture, like American footballs. That creeps me out. I love that That's weird. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if you look at like a close up of like a fly's eyeballs, yeah. they right. do appear as if they have that rough texture. And so I, that's how I imagine these to look like. These Every freaking... night I look at my fly. I look at it right in the eyes. <laughs> Are you talking about sucking your own dick? No, I have a pet fly. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? 
Herb, let's just not go into his <laughs> his fucking dumpster version of Snow White because I don't know what his life is like in that home. I have a pet ant. I have a pet fly. You just you have a, you need an exterminator. Yeah. <laughs> well, continuing in the alien gray vein, some of the consistent descriptions of the creatures are that their mouths were slits, the ears could hardly be seen, and the noses were almost non-existent. But drawing perhaps upon their cultural backgrounds, some of the local kids believe that these creatures were evil goblins, Whoa. specifically the infamous Tokoloche. Yeah, the Tokoloche. We've covered the Tokoloche here and there. Uh, it has come up into our writings before, and we'll get into it again, but you're not <laughs> supposed to be like super close to a Tokoloche. Okay. It's very scary. A lot of the kids were really afraid that the things were going to eat them. Don't yeah. get too close to the Tokoloche. Well, the Tokoloche is a... Is it Tokoloche or Tokoloche? I don't know. Tokoloshi? Tokoloshi. Tokoloshi <laughs> sounds like a guy yeah. who's like purposefully mispronouncing it from fucking... Yeah. He's from Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it sounds like Luigi's plumber or something. Well, the Tokoloche is a small, evil, mischievous, gremlin-like creature of Zulu folklore sometimes used to scare children into behaving, i.e. be good or the Tokoloche will come eat you or choke you to death in your sleep. Whoa. He's like the Lechusa or the Boogeyman. The Tokoloche, I believe, also steals your penis. Oh, that is a common he... fear. I believe the Tokoloche comes in and he takes your sexual prowess as well. He just takes your penis, huh? I do know that it's, it is one folk belief that if you put your bed on bricks, like if you put your bed stand on mm -hmm. bricks, then it's going to make the bed too high for the Tokoloche to climb up on. So the Tokoloche oh. isn't going to steal your penis or choke you to death while you sleep. Oh, it can extend its own penis to any length. Isn't that it's nice? The Tokoloche is a single buttock. Just Any length. One butt. First, you must summon the Tokolosh. I'm going to know. Hey, hey, now. Why are we doing this? You well, can see his huge penis. What do you mean it has one butt? It yeah, and what do you mean? Any, Don't we have any one length? Butt? It has, because uh, it, it can extend it to impregnate women. But any length means that can it reach from here to the sun? Can it explore outer space for us? I don't know. Burn his <laughs> I don't know. Don't have sex with the sun. It's just weird. One butt. Where's the hole go? It's just one mound. <laughs> That's weird. Well, as a side note, tokoloshes are sometimes said to be created by witch doctors, much like the golems of Jewish folklore. In this case, a client will call on a witch doctor and ask him to take vengeance on an enemy using a tokolosh. Okay, let me see how many tokoloshes we got available. Um, actually, um, are you good for a, um, the next tokolosh we got Monday at four? Monday at four is revenge. Is your friends you're gonna hold until Monday at four? That works for me. Yeah, we'll be sending Hernando over. You should go and um, yeah, hit him up. We'll send him. He'll text you thirty minutes out. And he'll do the dick lasso. Uh, well, I guess. Well, we'll have to add a surge to that. So that's it's pricey because that's honestly that's big right now. I really hate this guy. He's he's a mean guy. Yeah. Well, right now Hernando's penis is in San Diego, so we're actually gonna need. Uh, so I mean, if you're gonna need a penis, uh, Wednesday. When, you need penis lasso. Wednesday. Hey, Wednesday is good. I got I'll a Wednesday this guy on Wednesday four, too. Yeah. So the window is eight a.m. to nine p.m. Oh God, dang it! That's a whole day, huh? Yeah. Well, the witch doctor agrees. But he says that the Tokolosh will only take vengeance in exchange for a human soul that will be chosen by the Tokolosh after the job is over and done with. Oh, man, can't it just like love chocolate or diamonds or something? No, dog. No, it's got to take a soul. It's going to take your mother's soul or your sister, your brother, someone you know, close to you. It's going to be yeah, ironic twist and it's going to be bad. And it's, you know, yeah, you, Because revenge is bad. Yeah. 
It can And once be. the terms are agreed upon, the witch doctor finds a dead body. He pierces the eye sockets <gasps> and brain with a hot rod of iron so that it cannot think for itself. Then oh. he sprinkles it with a special powder to shrink the body down to tokolosh size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Let's save money on a casket that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. The tokolosh then does what it does, then takes its chosen soul weeks, months, or even years later. Ugh, it's it's hard to be a freelancer. I yeah. guess so. Now, in full disclosure, I did take all of that information uh, from the creation section of the Tokolosh Wikipedia page, which was rife with capitalization and, and punctuation mistakes. Mm. And it definitely had a big citation needed note right next to that whole witch doctor paragraph. If you so, can tell us how to do a an absolute foolproof Tokolosh side stories, LPOTL and gmail.com, we're going to make one. Absolutely. <laughs> Why not? I'll shrink you down. But I did find another source that said that if you want to avoid the wrath of the Tokolosh and make friends with it, <laughs> all you have to do is cut the long hair that hangs over his face and feed him a little saucer of curdled milk. You mean Wait to tell me you got to give him bangs? You just got to make it Zoe Deschanel <laughs> and then now we're friends? Yeah, and give him curdled milk. I'm not giving it a ukulele, all I'll right? I'll give it curdled milk, though. <laughs> I got curdled milk lying around. I know that. That's <laughs> <laughs> damn sure. Now, considering how the Tokolosh is indeed a fearsome little goblin, you can understand why some of the kids at the aerial school might have been afraid that those creatures had arrived for the sole purpose of eating them. But mixed with that fear, some said, was a feeling of excitement and happiness. Similarly to the folkloric association some of the children made with the aliens, some of the other kids, whose worldview was more informed by pop culture, later told their teachers that the aliens looked like Michael Jackson. That's ignorant. Oh, no. That's ignorant. I bring the children to me. Does Michael need this? He's already got a lot going on. A lot of people are saying he's been in the bad spots. Maybe he doesn't need to be blamed for being an alien. I don't need to travel for the children. They're so, they they oh. get premium delivery straight to my monkey. Oh, my lordy. And indeed, another kid described during an interview she did recently that the alien skin looked plastic like someone who'd done too much Botox. Hmm. Another said that the skin looked smooth as if it might slide off at any second. And, you know, and that's something that we've seen. This sounds somewhat like a men in black description. It is sure very water. Sure water. Well, because as they've gotten <laughs> older, the kids like, you know, Cynthia Hine believes that your memory becomes more crystalline as you get older, which I don't know if it's true or not. I don't, I don't know, know whether or not if you look back and if you remember harder, like it, I think I, you just remember wrong stuff more. You're just yeah. I think you're filling out the memory with what you think you remember quite often. But the kids all like one of them says straight up, like, I need to remember this forever because I know how important this story is. And so you could see them running this time and time again. But the, the one thing that comes out is that, yeah, it's men and blackie. It's it's very weird. What they're saying is hyper specific, and also what we talk about with grades all the time. They had their little jumpsuits on. Aww. Yeah. Then the aliens began moving, which was possibly the most disconcerting thing to all of the children. One kid that she saw one of the aliens run through the grass, but it seemed as if it was not really affected by gravity. Instead, she said it moved fluidly, as if mm. gravity did not affect it at all. Another, however, said that the alien ran in slow motion, like an instant replay. And in fact, some of the kids said that everything seemed to be moving in slow motion, even though they said that their hearts were still beating 
as fast as they could go. That's, that's terrifying. really thing. interesting. If you believe in the witness stories of people talking about the Hopkinsville Goblin story, which we've covered the here and there, and our friends in Newkirks did their whole special on the, the Hellier uh, project Hellier? examining it. But like th that idea of they are not bound by our physics in any way. There is something about them mm. that is, it looks like it's a projection onto our reality in some way. Yeah. And that they're kind of behaving in an almost cartoon manner where they can bounce. Yeah. And to that point, one kid said that she perceived the action of the alien running as a loop, like watching a movie. The creature would run from one side of the grass to the other. Then it would disappear and reappear where it started and it would go through the motion over and over and over again. Weird. Is it possible that the gravity on their planet is a little bit more strict or strong, and that's why they're so short, and that's why here it's almost like they're on the moon? Interesting. One of the girls did say that it wasn't quite like the bouncing that, you know, you see a astronauts do on yeah. the moon. Like, it was something... She said it was like gravity didn't affect them at all. Hmm. You know, it wasn't really bouncy. It was just like, like Henry said, like they were projected here. You know, like they were here and not here all at the same time. Like, the, the rules just didn't apply to them. Wow. It's dream logic. Yeah. Hmm. Finally, though, the creatures communicated directly with the children. This is, yeah, this is freaky. Yeah. I don't like that. Using telepathy, they brought a message of ecological protection, saying the same thing that aliens always say to us, that we're destroying the Earth, that we don't know what we're doing, and so on and so forth. I didn't know I was going to be dealing with a bunch of lib turds. <laughs> you know, alien, hey, cock, hey, alien, cock. <laughs> I could just see the libertarian getting brutally probed again and again. You're like, am I paying for this? Oh. But while that is indeed a cliche in alien abduction communication, I don't know how many times we've said on this show that that's the fucking message that aliens bring to people again and again. It's interesting here for the fact that these children would have had no clue that this was a common, if not near universal message delivered during these encounters. And hmm. yet this is universally what the children said the message was from day one. Well, specifically, some children said that they received messages telling them to protect the Earth from man-made destruction, while others said they got an explicitly anti-technology message, like an extraterrestrial oh. version of industrial society in its future. That would it's be like, scary. Very long. <laughs> very, very long. Yeah, Is it you, worth it to have your TikTok if it's going to ruin the dang world? It's yeah. not. It's not. Uh, but they said they didn't hear voices. Again, no. they, they, these things were just sort of, they said it was a feeling. Hmm. It, yeah. it was it was imp impressed upon them. Yeah. Still others said that they received something beyond messages. They were given images, thousands of them, all showing the consequences of environmental destruction that we're now showing worldwide because nobody listens to a bunch of children when they say aliens told them they're gonna, that we're destroying the fucking earth. I don't know why they don't go to somebody in power. They're always talking to some dad in Florida or some housewife in Massachusetts telling them that they got us or it's a bunch of kids in Zimbabwe saying, hey, we got to get the fucking earth back on track. And that's not the people that have the power to change those things when you go you know when you talk to people in power and then they explain to you how exxon is just really important to their campaign 
Yeah. And without Halliburton on board, we just don't see how we're going to get to power. If I you're can the legitimately aliens, see go to children. I, I actually think it makes sense to go to children. I could see any senator and of any any political party. If you have an alien in front of them, they're still going to be like, well, you can't vote. So it doesn't even really matter what uh, what you say to me. Yeah. I don't really care. And, and actually, I don't really care what anybody says to me. I'm going to do whatever uh, pay, somebody pays me. To I'm do. a senator. It's West Virginia. We like fucking coal. OK, we so like I need to stay a senator. You get it, alien. Have the aliens take over the airwaves. Put together a PowerPoint presentation. Show it didn't everybody. go well when the War of the Worlds aired. I don't think people handled it very well, Marcus. I just don't know if PowerPoints could be the thing that fixes everything. I think what they need to do is... If they have a fucking PowerPoint, I'm not going to trust her from the future. Uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> from your grave. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. Yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast of the left, babe. <laughs> Go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And yes. three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape. Put it in your brain and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left. It's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha, Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should 
share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, as far as how long this encounter lasted, the children said that they weren't sure because, as I said, time was greatly distorted during the encounter. Yeah. Some said that it lasted only a few minutes, while others estimated that it lasted closer to 15. Yeah, the one teacher hmm. that was involved, he said 15 minutes, but, you know, you never know. Again, he said the same thing. He was transfixed. Well, it's relative, isn't it? If you're waiting 90 seconds for your food to get done, it's different than holding your breath for 90 seconds. Actually, I feel the same for both of those. Well, one, you're going to start to get pan. Well, no, I get panicky I, I, and upset right, right, and ready to get angry. A second is but not. I actually don't know. A second of bliss versus a second of pain. Mm. The bliss goes faster. Unless it's Hellraiser time. <laughs> one of the things that is truly frightening about this entire recollection, right? So they, it started with the, the lights and the kids are seeing it and then the noises started and then yeah. panic set in. I think that was what really got me is that the aerial phenomenon documentary really set the tone of how scary this was dun, for dun, the kids. Dun. Some of them ran and sc- went screaming, but some of them were transfixed by the creatures. Like mm-hmm. now we know that they are, they're communicating to them, right? We, but they, it's more like the way they talked about being transfixed by their eyes. There was there was one little boy that said when he was looking into it, it was like the thing turned and looked at him, yeah, made eye contact with him, 
He said it made like a face. And he said the only way you could describe it is that he felt terrified. And he told Dr. John Mack that it looked like an old lady who had never seen a child before. Yeah. And then he was like squinting at him. And yeah, then another look, inquisitively. Squinting said, like, yeah. like, like, like doing a head spin, the stranger's <laughs> head spin. Don't like it. And then uh, the other one, another little girl was like, it felt like they, she said the term, they want us. And then they're like, well, what do you huh. mean? And it's not just licky lick. It's like they, they want, they, they were like, no, they want the, they want human children. They're like, they want to connect to them. Like they were, they're looking at them as basically saying straight up, well, we don't raise generations of people believing that you're destroying the planet. Mm -hmm. Then eventually you just will. Yeah. And the most horrifying thing of all, the candy store, they only had baby Ruth. That woman stayed there the entire time. Children are running and screaming. <laughs> Literally, they, it could no. have been anything. It could have been a shooter. It could have been like children. <laughs> and she's just sitting there being like, these fuckers think they're going to distract me. Kids got time. Time to plot. <laughs> well, once the aliens climbed back into the ship, it seemed as if the spell that they put over all of the children had been broken. <gasps> once the mechanical bee sound started back up, the children's collective terror, every single one of them, it became palpable, and they ran back to the school to find an adult to tell what they'd just seen. Huh. But of course, the parent volunteer told the children, including her daughter Fifi, to pull the other leg. I'll pull the other leg. What do you mean, pull the other leg? It yeah, means it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull the other, pull the other one. It's got bells on. That's you know an old the other zone. Pull, pull the other one. You know, oh, you pull like in my leg. You pull in my leg. It's like one of the worst toy lines of all time. The hook toy line. What? The hook. Hook. Oh, the movie. Hook. The movie. Well, yeah. Do you remember uh, Captain Hook? He had extended legs. You could extend his legs to make him taller. No, it was no. trash. It was a trash toy. You, so you have decided to, <laughs> after these decades have passed, yeah. you've decided now's the time to take the hook merchandising world it down a It was a, a trash <laughs> series of toys. Okay. Understandable that you might be disappointed about it. I'm he glad just that, got taller. I guess amazing of all of the things in the world that are currently happening that Kissel's still vehemently upset at this toy. I from remember. Your and I only got one a week. And there were five well, bucks each. That was my toy for the fucking week. That was it. And that's what you were so mad about is that your your new toy wasn't good enough. It for sucked. that week. For that it week. Did, it didn't even go with any of my other toys. Then why did you See, get it? I, I like having because the pantheon I thought of toys. It was gonna be but cool. Guys, I also just watched Hook and I like the movie. But you didn't have a pantheon of toys? I always mixed up oh, my yeah. G.I. Joe's, TMNT. I, I put them all together in one big world. They all yeah. fought and they all railroaded April O'Neil. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Mr. Zabrowski. That's she loved not it. right. She no, she would only like it if it was Raphael, but she ended up with Casey Jones because he's a person. Yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, after the parent volunteer said, I don't believe you, they didn't stop there, which is probably what they would have done had it just been a prank. Miss, miss, there's an alien out there. Like, if they, if she would have said no, they would have just, you know, put their heads down and say, oh, right, I'm just going to go over here now. But no, they, they <laughs> fucking panicking and screaming. They ran and interrupted the teacher staff meeting, hoping that some adult would tell them what to do. Now, the aerial school incident was not a sort of hearsay occurrence in which a lone MUFON ufologist interviews the kids years afterwards as adults. The incident occurred on a Friday, and by the following week, news outlets 
all over the world picked up the story wow. and the children began giving interviews. And you know for a fact, even in a crowd, a MUFON ufologist is alone, aren't they? <laughs> he is, man. We walk alone. <laughs> yes. And then she is. Look at Cynthia Hind, man. She's too busy for a man. Self-published. Too busy. I mean, absolutely too emotionally distant for a woman. Yeah. <laughs> she is focused on her goal and ready to get out there and get to the bottom of this. And it's true. They were out there like days later. Wow. Because yeah. she got called up because again, MUFON just absolutely it was, it was tremendous the amount of response <laughs> that the children had. And I was just like, oh, oh, someone find my clothes. Yes, ma'am, your vulva's hanging out I, I've already put that down in the, in the visitation book. Oh, but no, they went right there and they, they closed up shop. That was yeah. the goal. Is the move on investors arrived. They're like, all right, we're going to close this up, make sure that nobody else is talking to these kids until we're done with them. Okay. But before you say that the kids collaborated over the weekend on some fanciful tale, the headmaster... the kids collaborated over the weekend on a fanciful no, tale. No, 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 no. Before oh, you say that, that, I think I said it. <laughs> yes. Colin Mackey, the headmaster, he had the children draw what they saw on the same day that the event occurred. It's just, this is really interesting. They jumped right into this. Wow. Yeah, immediately. And just like later testimonies, the drawings were similar but not exact. In some cases, there was only one craft drawn, while in others, you'd see two or three. Same thing with the number of aliens depicted, anywhere between one and three. And similarly, some aliens were drawn with that long, flowing black hair, and some weren't. Mm. But what was most consistent across all the drawings was the shape and appearance of the alien creatures who showed all the markers of being your classic alien grace. It was straight down the line. Everybody said that they had saw the same weird uh, teardrop-shaped head, right. tiny body, huge eyes. They, they all said it, and they didn't have the cultural reference. No. Like, they did not have mm. Whitley Strieber's communion to know no. that's what we think aliens look like. No, this is I, like, this is not like 1999 in a Spencer's Gifts. They don't, they haven't seen like the ever present 90s alien head for years upon years. This is completely outside of their cultural, cultural milieu. And as everybody who has had problems with these episodes in the past or in the future, anybody talking about ufology, you're talking about UFOs or ghosts, the paranormal, like, I feel like that's again, they're like, well, right there. I there's the rub, right? Is that they're all the seeing rub. something different? But do you not know how often we all like we see in the movie fucking Roshiman, right? Yeah. We all <laughs> will remember things differently because you ha you arrive at something with a story, with a right. background, with a with, it's even as a kid. And also, I believe that the trickster edge of the phenomena plays with you as well and it's about you being interpreted you know like the one time i did that mushroom tea mm -hmm. i fucking went all the way back to this back of my fucking mind and i talked to the dude from the big lebowski and he oh. explained to me that if fucking all like our reality is just a program dropped into an operating you system you talk to the dude or the man the dude you talk to the dude <laughs> right and fucking wow. and the, uh, you fucking you our brains can interpret it it like our reality is interpretive like we make it up as right. we go well, and mm -hmm. I want to thank you for coming to our town hall committee meeting, Henry Zabrowski, on why we and need to teach. And that's why parking violations shouldn't exist. Yes, and uh, <laughs> that's why we will take it into consideration teaching both sides of the Holocaust. So thank you so much. You no. are Yes, the thank you. No, I just want to be able to park wherever my car fits. Two sides to every story. Two sides. And uh, actually stricter parking rules. Ah, Sorry. Yeah. But two sides to every story.
You know, Ben, you do laugh, but in college, I did once show up to a libertarian meeting on mushrooms and gave a speech much the same as the one that Henry just gave. I believe it. I believe it. And that's when the libertarians, that's where they were big tent party. Yeah. <laughs> we also have clueless assholes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wandering in from the park to the local coffee shop and in this meeting with my buddy Clint was like, hey, why don't you come inside? And it's like, yeah, I'll fucking yeah. come inside, but you're about to go outside while you're inside. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you're talking about. No. So the first investigator on the scene was, as Henry said, had a MUFON in Africa, the aforementioned Cynthia Hind. She began conducting interviews with children on September 20th, but Headmaster Colin Mackey put a stop to these interviews a few months later because it was greatly affecting the mental health of his students. Mm, also, God. if you, uh, you just the back of this book, this is just an example of Cynthia Hind's style. Cynthia Hind always upholds the highest standards of the scientific researcher. She remains unflappable, virtually foolproof, but open-minded <laughs> to the end. Her trademark is the extended and repeated interview, where heretofore unretrieved and forgotten facts are often brought to the subject's conscious mind by a gentle and persistent prodding. That this fantastic? is the back of the book. Judging by, <laughs> judging by that picture, she's definitely flappable. But yeah, hey, when you're all flaps, it's like this. No flaps. <laughs> not, not at all. And, you know, and that is one of the criticisms of this story is that some people do say that Cynthia Hind went in there like a fucking Tasmanian devil and completely fucked up everything. Like a dog on a bone. Yeah, that she made it, her influence made it impossible to truly uh, look at this entire thing objectively. But the man who did know what he was doing was Dr. John Mack. Yes. See, Dr. John Mack was not only a professor of psychology at Harvard. We mentioned him at the very beginning of the episode. He was the head of the psychiatry department at Harvard Medical School, and he was trained in both adult and child psychiatry and psychoanalysis. Additionally, he also won a Pulitzer Prize for writing a psychological biography of Lawrence of Arabia. Weird. This guy oh. knew his shit. Okay. See, starting in the early 90s, Dr. Mack had become fascinated with the psychology of alien abductions, standing on the shoulders of such giants as Dr. Ronald Sprinkle. And I will show the whole world that we will make butterscotch telepathic. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Sprinkle. <laughs> Oh, I'd miss Dr. Sprinkle. I love Dr. Sprinkle. <laughs> well, initially, Dr. Mack believed alien abduction to be simple mental illness. That's all there is to it. But he found again and again that the people he interviewed had no obvious pathologies. Instead, he found that there was a more spiritual and ethereal quality to what we know as alien abduction. Yeah, because I don't know if collecting gems fits in the DSM-4. Like, I don't know if that's <laughs> right. a symptom of illness. I mean, it it struck all of our mothers. Yeah. All of our mothers have the, I'd like to call it tchotchke AIDS, where it's just this immuno system. I don't know what yeah. it is, where they just collect snowmen and witches and, uh, and, and pelicans. And we still have all the Hummels that were supposed to really go up in value, but they decreased immensely. Very much so. Yeah. No one cares about them. No one cares. And so when Dr. Mack 
heard about the aerial school incident, he took a plane to Zimbabwe and began interviewing every child who was willing to speak with him. By the time he was done, he was staunchly convinced that these children were telling the truth. Hmm. He said that as a psychiatrist, it was his job to distinguish between psychosis like mass hysteria and actual reality. And based on the information he gleaned from these interviews, he concluded that an extraterrestrial encounter did indeed occur in Zimbabwe in 1994. And if you Whoa. want a compelling book, Johnny Mac's Abductions is fantastic. Well, when you say it like I Johnny Mac, it sounds like he's in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John E. Mac, but I feel like he did it. I feel like there was some other John Mac he had to differentiate I himself see. from. Yeah. Um, but his book's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. But Dr. Mack also paid a heavy professional toll for daring to buck established beliefs. And he almost lost his job because he dared to even be curious about something so supposedly silly as alien abduction. I just find it interesting that they hated this topic and they felt that it lowered the reputation that affected the reputation yeah. of Harvard Medical School. As opposed when, to all the gangbang societies they had, but, but like skull and bones. <laughs> yeah, and all I mean, they all, yeah, they all just suck each other's dick and then become president. Right. There's also uh, the entire world of theology. They have a full theology department. Mm -hmm, so it's okay mm -hmm. to talk about the fake man in the sky, uh, but it's not okay. And I understand the cultural implications of it, but I feel like it's fits right under if it goes it goes right under the umbrella if we're going to talk about the cultural implications of, of our beliefs and the historical implication of our implications of our beliefs you can't take this out of it i have heard that aliens are angels in <laughs> <laughs> and i hear that they're playing um, in the infield. mrs marianne williamson if you could please leave us all alone <laughs> oh she's sweet well i think the problem that harvard had was was not if he was some sort of cultural anthropology professor talking about aliens like say about among the was it the the Dogon people yes. of Africa? You know, if he's very talking interesting, about very compelling, very compelling. But if he's talking about it from a cultural anthropology perspective, they're not going to have any problem with it. Their problem was that this was the head of the psychiatry department, and he's not talking about it from the mm. perspective of oh, these this is a, a cultural phenomenon. These people just have something going on with them that has that is not that has nothing to do with the real world. He's saying like no, there is something very real to this that we got to look into and we're doing a disservice to the entire world by not looking into it. It's basically how we have now, how soft disclosure has come about where people are finally saying like, no, look, there are UFOs in the sky. There is shit flying around. We're not doing anybody any favors by pretending no. like it's not happening. Yeah, and, that's he, crazy. and John Mack was saying the exact same thing. Same mm. shit. And because honestly, because they, they really wanted to get back, they really wanted to make more time for them because they had a whole course that they wanted to do, uh, which they felt this was eating into called Why Dudes Rock. Why Dudes <laughs> Rock? And it was just like Sammy Hagar. It was the science yeah. of Sammy Hagar and the Red Rocket. Seriously. Um, and then uh, they have a whole long thing about like, are clitorises real? That's something. One of the Turns lives. out, no. 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 That's, what they, no. That's, what they, that's what they landed on. But wow. it's Harvard. So, you know. Much, know. Like, much like an electric car, nothing under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> there is something. It's not just empty. It doesn't run on magic. It's not empty. <laughs> no, an electric car? Yeah. No, that's storage. That's where they put the storage. <laughs> well, as far as the children themselves went, most of them were, to put it mildly, massively fucked up by their experiences. Yes. 
Making it worse was the fact that just after the incident, Zimbabwe sort of fell apart through economic and social collapse, and the children were scattered to the winds with no one else to talk to about what happened. It has only been recently that these people have been willing to come forward to talk about their experience, and they look just as bewildered and frightened talking about it today as they did when they were interviewed as children in 1994. That's hmm. what brings me back. Uh, it's the fear associated with it and how deeply it all affected their lives. They are they are traumatized. Whatever happened that day, I will always kind of give the back door, like, we don't know if it's extraterrestrial necessarily, right? Yeah. I don't know what that means, right? Mm -hmm. But whatever happened, fuck these kids up. And yeah. they're not letting it go because it was also the parents' fright, because what seemed to double their trauma was the parents' reactions to the kids because the teachers were all just as freaked out as anybody else yeah. because these kids ro rolled up and they're all saying the same thing tears streaming down their face saying we saw these things out in the field and they don't know what the fuck to do so no. but half of them saying like it didn't exist that traumatizes you the other ones getting all freaked out and screaming like we're all gonna die that also <laughs> fucks with you right. it's very difficult and of yeah. course henry only gives the back door on oink oink saturdays uh, that is where he gets on all fours <laughs> you, you say you yeah. say to yeah. our whole that's all he heard that's all he heard was back door that, that was like the first, that was the the first thing door. you said out of and I, and I had you know i had a salient point to make that was going to build upon your point sure. and then it's and then oink, it's oink saturday you talking about a, a conversation <laughs> like a free-flowing intellectual meeting yeah. of the mind yeah yeah, yeah i don't even remember what it was anymore. No, of course now, no. now I'll remember is Oink Oink Saturday. So. And this is why Republicans win elections. <laughs> like this is the exact the exact problem we're seeing. Where's the lube? It's Saturday. It's Oink Oink Saturday. Oink. He's owning the narrative. <laughs> well, what I was gonna say <laughs> is that you know the the teachers, most of them did believe them. The headmaster of the school, you know, as much he very reluctantly would say, like, yeah. It happened. Something happened. And Weird. John Mack, you know, and these these parents are all bewildered as well. You know, and there was that showed in the documentary, there was this like basically a PTA meeting where John yeah. Mack, you know, all these parents come and John Mack just goes up and says, hi, very happy to be here. Probably don't want to hear this, but yep. It was aliens. Yep. <laughs> like, and you Jesus. see these teachers all like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. God. How are we yeah. going to fucking get our funding next year if there's aliens everywhere? <laughs> you might get oh. more funding. Who knows? Yeah. And for me, it's like, it's not necessarily the, the fear that, that gets me because, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, fear traveling with you throughout the years. It's yes. the bewilderment. That's what gets me like, on what? the interviews. Like oh, what? Like still just totally like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Cause it hasn't, cause you know, Cynthia Hine uses the word crystallized that their memory crystallized over the years. Feels like to me, like it hasn't crystallized at all. No, they're it's, all just as frightened and just as scarred by it. Because again, it's an example of you're met with the moment of the extreme mysterious, right? This is, there is no explanation. There is mm -hmm. none. Whatever none. it was, uh, yeah. Maybe it all existed in the a ripple of mass hysteria. That's just as mysterious as it is as, as aliens, mm -hmm. because it's like, where the fuck did it come from? They didn't make up the story. They did not. Like, I looked it all up. I dug in. I looked to see for yeah, any kid to like say, like, at least one to say we made it up. Somebody yeah. made it up. Right. They won't back off of it. No. And, and, and I don't think it's like 
the sunken thing either. I don't think it's like a cult mentality where you're trying to, it's like, oh, well, I gave up my life to the story. Most of them have not said anything about the story since they were a child. Right. So, while the aerial school incident is not necessarily a home run when it comes to proving the alien phenomenon, it's still one of, if not the most compelling case of an alien encounter in modern history. I believe All it. right, 1994. I believe it. I'd say, not you know what this is? Not that long ago. This is an in the park home run. Yeah. Because, yeah, officially it's not a home run, but no, no, if you hustle for it, yeah. you can get in there. And a couple yeah. of different mistakes have to be made usually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, there it is. <laughs> the aerial it. phenomenon. Uh, UFOs over Africa is the name of the book, so check that out. No, no, this up. is, uh, it's out of print. We spent a lot of money on this book. <laughs> it is? Yeah, we actually, yeah. We, this How actually costs money. How much money did you spend on that? Enough. Yeah. How much money did the company money? How much How much company money did you spend on that book? Uh, enough. <laughs> enough. Enough. Marcus, I mean, do you know the cost of this book? Yeah, but it's enough. You know? Do you remember oh, when, what the fuck? But do you remember when Kissel accidentally what? extended his own hotel room for a week? Yeah, do you remember, I remember that, that. The, when he did that in a weird in a weird decision you made in the middle of the night where you extend your hotel? So I would say this is equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> I think the book we purchased is equivalent. Yeah, I think so. But do check out the Aerial Phenomenon uh, documentary that's yes. uh, that yeah. is available at aerialphenomenon.com. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's one of also, the best uh, UFO documentaries, that, and it's well made too. It's very it's very well made. It's not a bunch of horse shit like do, these people. Do, 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 do. And if you can't extend your hotel, extend your hotel. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't know the situation you're talking about, but I believe it. I re I remember it exactly. I don't remember the city, but I do remember uh, getting the call of uh, like, "Hey, so uh, Ben exited his hotel for an extra five days. Do you guys know what that's about? Do you know what's going on with that?" It was a mystery, or? and you know what? We got to the bottom of it. <laughs> what is it? You know what I'd say again? A moment of the extreme mysterious. <laughs> What is the man's motives? I don't know. I'll never know. Because you know. ended up home the same time as we all ended up home. Yeah. We had, because we had like the Monday day. We had a meeting and we had to, we had to record. So you yeah. were there for all of that. You made it. I must have made a mistake. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. All right. What well, we got here? We got San Diego Comic Con. We're going to fucking be there. Can't wait. Friday. We are there. 1030 a.m. It is us. The three of us. Us chuckleheads. That's I, uh, right. David Dasmalkin. Who is Vic Townsend? He's going to be, mm. we're going to be in, do you know what room we're in? Room 10. Room 10. That's, That's a pretty where easy the, room to remember. Come on down the room, the waters fade. And then we got signings after that. Yep. We have a signing on Saturday. We're going to be out there. Very, very excited. Can't um, wait. Also, come see Ed Larson and I at Classy Night Out, the Pack Theater, yes. July 26, 9 p.m., $10 tickets. We're going to have a good time with it. Absolutely. It's a beautiful little theater. It's fun to get back into the blank box. All right. Uh, anything else? Obviously, we got our European tour. I'm sure you guys have heard those ads. Check that yeah. out. Don't forget, that's going to be in October. We're going to be in yeah. the Netherlands. We're going to be in the UK and Ireland. And don't Ooh. forget that we're going to be in Australia this January. So yeah, go to lastpodcastontheleft.com for all of the dates and ticket links for those oh. shows. Make sure you get tickets because all that shit sold out last time and it's probably going to sell out again. So make sure to get your tickets now. Thank you all so much for supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. And we want to mention that the Dark Rider Cruiser Ooh. Ooh. goes on sale this Monday. On Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> on sale this Tuesday. Yeah, it's by Priority Priority Bikes, and I will say I am a proud owner of a Priority bicycle. They're fucking amazing bicycles. Go you like those bikes, right? I I love the bikes. No, no, I've had a Priority bike for like two years now. It's a yeah, Priority bikes are fucking amazing. So I'm not mm -hmm. just a client. 
I also am a client. All right. Go cruising in a cruiser. You might find yourself a bruiser. And they didn't even give me a bike for free. I bought that fucking thing. Fantastic. So that's how much I love priority bikes. Go get get the the, the Dark Rider cruiser. I just had to buy um, padded padded shorts for my exercise bike. (laughs) (laughs) Because it hurts my my asshole and my balls. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Little butt. Yeah, Yeah, he's a little butt. And that, that bike doesn't even go anywhere. No, it really doesn't. It's no. kind of funny. I actually want to see you on it. It's uh, <laughs> Wendy sits and stares at me. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hugging. Magustalations. Hail me. Look to the sky. Look to the sky. Look to the skies. Unless you're driving. Look oh, yeah. The then look at the road, please. The road. Don't look at your phones. Don't look at your phone. No matter what. No. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.